Hey guys, welcome back to the Young American Podcast. My name is Britt, and this week we got to interview Andy Prince of Manchester Orchestra. Andy is also involved in a project called Upward Intuition that he started with his lifelong friend John Shell. Upward Intuition is an organization in their hometown in Pensacola, Florida, where they build skate parks for their community. And it's pretty remarkable some of the success that they've had along the way. They've gotten to meet some pretty cool people as well so Andy was very gracious with his time and he was a great great interview just very easy to talk to you can check them out at upwardintuition.org we'll also be posting some of the links and some of the ways that you can help them out on our socials this week without further ado this is our interview with Andy Prince on the Young American Podcast Andy. Hello. What's up? Whoa. How are you, man? What's up, dude? Good. How's it going, guys? Good. Good. Hey, thanks so much for making this work, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries, man. Who all we got here? So I'm Britt. I'm uh, the one that's been corresponding with you via right. Instagram. Uh, this like is my... This, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no problem. This is my twin brother, Chris. Chris. Baller. Yep. I'm Nathan. Nathan, and, what's up? We're in Lexington, then, Kentucky, the three of us are, and then we've also got John Sang with us. What's up, dude? Okay. Hey, man. How's it going? Good, dude. I'm in Atlanta, so I'm uh, I'm always the, the scraggler that's on Zoom with everyone else. They're all drinking beers, having a good time, and I'm over here. I'm literally sitting in a kid's chair. What is that, like an iced tea? Play corny. It's actually booze. <laughs> so we're all friends. Basically, I'll, I'll give you like a little bit of a rundown of what you've got yourself into. Um, you haven't listened to the podcast, have you? I think I've seen a clip, but I haven't listened to a good. whole thing yet. Good. That's that's the right answer. So there's another guy that usually is with us. Sorry, sorry we're rolling deep. I don't mean this to feel like an interview or something like that, like you're sitting at the end of a table or anything like that. No worries. But uh, so we've got a, a text thread. We're just a bunch of buddies. We're all from Lexington. John moved to Atlanta, and this is basically just like one of those. Be away from us. Exactly. We're fans of the band. Um, you were on the Based Pod last year. Yeah. So you we know, those, know guys. those guys. Those guys are friends, acquaintances. So um, good company, man. This is like based on one of those. It's not really about anything. And we have people on, we'll have, um, you know, comedians or YouTubers, um, record breakers, musicians, things like that. And then occasionally we'll just talk about complete and utter nonsense. So this is like one of those text threads that, you know, if God reads it, he probably won't let you into heaven type of right. a thing. So oh, yeah. pray to God that Andrew, like that someone doesn't leak this conversation and like print them out and put them in Andrew's classroom. He might yeah, be the only exactly. one in danger of losing his job. Oh, he would 100% get fired. The other guy that that's not with us, he's usually with us is Andrew. Andrew and Nathan are cousins. Yep. And Andrew came down with the COVID by chaperoning prom at his, uh, his <laughs> that was school. A joke. The prom part was a joke. Oh, was it? Yeah. Fake Prom's out. usually in May. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> the deal January. Not January. <laughs> Well, I hope you had a good time. Yep, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Hell of a time. Hey, Andy, I wanted to talk to you about the skate stuff for sure. That's why we're here. But um, 
we always start this thing just uh, reading some responses from the last couple episodes. Do you care if I do that? No, not at all. All right, man. Um, the, la- the last conversation we had took a very strange turn, so... <laughs> this- if I haven't shown you our cards yet, this is about to, because our last episode um, that we dropped was called Code Brown, and it was about bathroom emergencies and oh, the boy, stories okay. and stuff like that, so... Were you interviewing somebody or was it just you, nope. you guys hanging out? <laughs> so this thing started, we would just sit and we would talk and tell stories and and okay. just, you know, a little bit like Seinfeld. If you were ever a Seinfeld fan, it's the show about nothing. And that's kind right. of what this came to be. And then we started okay. having celebrities and having, you know, stuff like that. So it's worked out. So, fellas, this is from Josh Watkins in regards to the Code Brown. And it's pretty quick. But we had the conversation about bidets are you for andy have you ever tried a bidet absolutely have you really, really? yeah yeah big fan for sure. are you okay all right well you'll be right at home with this all right I'm josh says fan. go ahead <laughs> i'm sitting on one right now <laughs> josh said uh hey fellas just had to drop in real quick and give my response to the code brown episode During the pandemic, when toilet paper was scarce, we decided to try a bidet. We picked it up off Amazon for 30 or 40 bucks, and it's the seat slash lid kind, so like the one that you were talking about. Since then, we fully converted to bidets. We have two now, per my son Louis' request, and have had friends join the bandwagon after using ours. Ask me anything. My best explanation comes down to this, an example I heard online. If you were outside and you stepped in mud, what would you rather clean your shoes off with, a paper towel or a hose? What's going to do the job better? (laughs) With that being said, I still use a little toilet paper afterward, but like John alluded, it's just to dry off, maybe like four squares tops. And what's crazy is that it's remarkably cleaner down there. And everyone I've talked to that uses them 100% agrees. Nathan would save a fortune. Always getting called out by name. Shot across the bow. You'd, you'd get save a fortune and save so much time. Think of how much time you don't know what You don't know. You don't really know what I'm going through in there. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I think a bidet could be wonders for you. Maybe we should all chip in and get one for Nathan. It's not a bad idea. And then live pod. 40 bucks, right? <laughs> Okay, so take it as you will, but we'll be team bidet for life. It feels like going back to the Stone Age when I have to use a public bathroom or someplace without one. Take care, guys. Josh, we really appreciate it. And uh, thank all of you guys for listening. So that Andy Brown part two. Let's go into this. Yeah, let's do it. Let's get it. <laughs> Andy, um, we're well, really five idiots just sitting around microphones. So that's yeah. I mean, there's a lot of variations to bidets too. There's also I was at a studio in Muscle Shoals recently, recently, and they had one, and there's a heated seat on it, Ooh. and it's the type oh. of like new future toilet where you walk in and it senses you and just lifts the lid automatically. No way. I don't love that. Are you getting yeah. overspray from the the previous passenger though? Overspray? <laughs> what are, the, what are you that, talking about? I'm just saying, like Chris, Chris, you seem worried that the water is coming from, but it's like, it's spraying water. from underneath, and there's got to be some residue that that goes on, right? Okay, maybe I see what you're saying. Um, I don't know. I didn't even think about it. It was just kind of my little room that you know it was so nice <laughs> that I didn't want to ruin the moment. Yeah. Um, well, I'm Some sorry to ruin it. Have like, a, like one time I, we did this show in, uh, it was the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. 
if you ever get a chance to go out there, it's really cool. There's like Didi Ramon is buried there and like all these hmm. legendary people. And um, they have a venue there and we, we played the venue for uh, some of our hope shows. It was like quieter and broken down hmm. um, cope songs. And in the very top of that place, they have this, uh, this weird room where they do like, it looks like they do like seances, but um, <laughs> there's a bathroom and that's the only one I could find at the time. And I went in there and had never really used a bidet before. And change your life. Yeah. I mean, it did until like it was great. And then I hit the wrong button and it was already hot in there. And then it, this jet of hot air started. Blowing <laughs> oh, <out>. no. <laughs> yeah. And then that just like filled the room with nightmares. And so that, you know. <laughs> I wouldn't use that option. I don't think I don't see where that could really come in that handy other than if people like their own brand enough. But uh, <laughs> those were actually just the spirits of the room from like leftover seance spirits. They were just there to yeah, say, yeah. say, well, hey, Andy. Welcome. Interesting. Oh, the room is nice. <laughs> well, man, we'll uh, we'll get into it because I know you didn't come here to talk about bidets. But um, um, so, Andy, you play bass in Manchester Orchestra and with your brother in the Gills, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The Gills, we uh we don't play anymore as the Gills, but I also I still play with my brother. Um, I live in Pensacola, Florida, and we play with a guy named John Hart as a trio, mm. and do uh, like beach gigs and cover gigs and all sorts of stuff. And he's one of the best. I mean, he's the best dude ever, but he's also one of the greatest guitar players and okay. a great singer. It's kind of one of those things where. We've always wanted to play with him. We've seen him, you know, throughout the years. We'd always play beach bars back in the day. Even the Gills did. We kind of like, we used it as a hack for touring when we were an indie band and you'd go to a venue in Texas or something like that and make like 50 bucks, you know what I mean? <laughs> and what we would do is beforehand, we'd play like three-day weekends in Pensacola. And it'd be a like four-hour cover gigs, you know, and we're like 10 a.m. to 2 a.m. Oh, wow. And they were fun, but they were a grind, but you would make, even at the time, it was like, even if we made like 600 bucks and then we make plus tips, we do that three times, uh, three day weekend, and we'd have enough money to hop in our van. And instead of like starve and worry about gas money, we would at least have that covered. And then we would book our own tours and do it that way and be able mm -hmm. to afford it a little better. The, the problem is though, that became pretty much our job. So right. We had to find a balance between how much we were doing that and how much we were touring and it kind of it kind of burned us out after a while just because it's 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 a like i said it's a grind and we were partying a lot at the time and you you play till 2 a.m and then you drink with your friends and then you go to bed at like 4 or 5 a.m and then you wake up at you know what 2 p.m and mm -hmm. then do the same thing the next day and the next day <laughs> and it was really fun at the time but we had to move on from that so years later it's funny because i moved to nashville for 10 years we chased the band dream down i ended yeah. up doing what i'm doing now but then i moved back to pensacola like three years ago and i was like damn i actually kind of miss doing that mainly for the fact that you play for four hours and it's you know, it's not like as rehearsed. Sometimes you're just following a guitar player that's in a certain key and that keeps your chops up to where that would be a reason for me to practice really hard. And even just the the four hours you're playing, like you're not going to get that experience anywhere else. And there is also this ego part of me where there's a lot of really good players down here. A lot of guys that play blues and funk stuff and old soul music and all this and uh, there was one time in particular where I, I just had been 
off tour for a while and like I put my bass down and didn't play for a couple months and it was super rusty and went out to this bar and had a had a few drinks a few too many drinks probably and they were like Andy come play a song you know and I was like all right so I got up there and played with this guy this blues guy and I just like I just blew it like completely. Oh, no. He's like giving me numbers and he's like, all right, go to the four. And I'm like, uh, and just, just fumbled my way through this thing. And like, I just went home with like my head down and my tail between my legs. And I was like, F like <laughs> that, fe that feeling sucked, but it was actually really good for me because I'm out on tour doing all this stuff. And they're always kind of like, you know, giving me shit for that anyways. Like, oh, Mr. Rockstar's walking in here. And then I blow it with the local dudes. And I'm like, hmm. I'm a loser. So so I had to go back to the the woodshed and, and get ready. And now that I'm doing that more consistently, again, it's really helped me kind of, I don't know, feel, uh, feel like I'm part of that group too. And yeah. uh, accept it <laughs> that's cool so have you gone back to the scene of the crime and redeemed yourself that yeah that's exactly what i wanted to do and i know it sounds stupid but it really was like i i can't just let that go it's I, yeah there's got to be a great analogy for something like that like in sports or something but um it's funny how you know it's a, a handful of guys that are my peers that i know are really good musicians it means a lot more for me to get their recognition than like a bunch of adoring fans that love a band. Like everyone's going to be like, you're the best. <laughs> but I know that they don't really know that or mean that. I'm like, I know yeah. 10 guys in Pensacola that can whoop my ass. Like, right. what are you talking about? So, so anyways, had to like prove my, my, in my own mind, what was, you know, even on a local level, something that was something to be proud of. So yeah. anyways, I'm sure it's, it's, it's kind of like, you can't compare your kids, but like, would you rather play? a huge like what well, i guess what gives you a better high like playing a huge sold out show or like four hours at just like jamming in a local bar like which which do you prefer um it's really just about the chicks for me and the money <laughs> you know what I mean? True. Hey, um no that's a good question i've had um i mean both are amazing like this past summer we played with jimmy at world which for me was you know like 14, 15 year old me every single night was like Hell this yeah. dream I had when I was a kid of like yeah. one, one day doing that thing. I was like watching it in real time and still, you know, I had like imposter syndrome about it and all of that. But then really try to stay in the moment with those because those are some of the biggest, biggest shows I've ever played. And mm -hmm. there was definitely a special element to that. Mm -hmm. Um but then there's we've done like um underplay shows like at the Earl in Atlanta that was definitely one of the funnest shows ever. It was all I was there. Oh, you were there? Oh, hell yeah, I was there. Is that the Cope that one? Some... Yeah. Yeah, we did that and like, you know, it was really core fans too, because it was it was open only to Patreon people that mm -hmm. like stick with our band and really know what's going on. And you know, we we were pretty loose. Like we had some drinks and like played <laughs> old Cope songs, but it for us it was like, you know, one of the lower pressure shows and i think that's the big thing is we just put a mm. lot of pressure on ourselves with the bigger stuff and when you play stuff like that it feels like i don't know it feels like a lot more at home after song one or two you're kind of looser and you're like oh we're having fun now we're interacting with like people right in front of us so there's something special to that too yeah mm -hmm. um and one actually one of the funnest shows i've played in years we did a manchester did a show down here in pensacola it was a festival that my buddy put on and uh, and afterwards, I I do this like 
fake band. It's called Beervana, and it's with my buddy that actually cuts my hair, and my brother. And it's a three-piece band, and we play. We play. He he sounds like Kurt. Like this guy's got a great voice and knows all the songs already. He's like, if y'all learn, you know, ten or twelve Nirvana songs that you love, let's go play them sometime. So we did an after party after the Manchester show at a local venue here. Nice. And we called it Beervana and played. We learned like. Yeah, old silver chair and then hmm. did a bunch of nirvana songs but then like a bunch of people showed up and everyone's hammered and we just started learning songs on stage oh, like wow. learning you know creed songs and dumb shit that people would shout out instead of like <laughs> getting mad about getting heckled we would just listen to them be like okay and then we would kind of figure it out right there and start playing it and that that looseness to me was one, like the most fun i've had in years like we're all dressed like <laughs> that's cool like beach bro douchebags and I don't know. It was just the pictures like, were incredible. Yeah, that thing was that we won't, we'll do it again for sure in the future. But that was a totally different experience. It was almost like a, a comedy act or something. Did but. you trash the shit out of your set like Nirvana at the end? Yeah, my brother like destroyed his drum set, and <laughs> at one point he had he had grabbed like all of his sticks in his bag, so he had like ten drumsticks in either hand. <laughs> And was playing like that and like yes. they're flying everywhere he had just poured a beer on himself like it was just like like <laughs> it was a party it was just, you literally it was made i don't know if you've seen the family guy clip where peter gets the band together and they all you know they do the montage or whatever and then they have the show and they're on stage and he goes and they click off and he's like oh my god we don't know any songs like you literally <laughs> made a nightmare a dream come true that's incredible <laughs> that's kind of what it was like that was and it didn't matter we were like biffing everything but no one no one cared they knew it was a joke and and for us there was we weren't in the beginning like trying to be funny or it just kind of naturally started being like oh people are people actually think this is hilarious like everything we're doing and we're just like farting around on stage and taking <laughs> shots and, sounds fun does know. pensacola have a good scene have a music scene yeah, does it have a really good music scene it does. Um, I like so back in the day when I was growing up here, it had an incredible music scene, and there's a lot of bands from like Mississippi, like Color Revolt would come through here, oh, yeah. and all these bands mm-hmm. we kind of worshipped at 238, and um, that was that was early on. And my Tim, the drummer in Manchester, had a band called Architect, which we like worshipped as well, and they were like kings of Pensacola and still the records hold up and there was just something happening during that time and it slowly died and as we got older and then i like when the gills formed it kind of had like we had some buzz and we always had people coming to shows and it was a new thing because at that time it was all hardcore and metal had taken over and email yeah. every every kid wanted to be in a screamer in a band and like some of them were pretty good, but uh, there was a lot of them that were so bad because it was just people that saw that and wanted to do it so bad. Hmm. I don't know. It it like it kind of turned me off to a lot of shows, and we didn't fit in with that because we were playing like happy Beatles type, you know, <laughs> rock and roll stuff. And but we had our own little like sect of you know our own little genre and people that followed that. And then we moved away and it like it seemed to really dissipate or at least i thought it did for a number of years and when i moved back three years ago i was like in my mind i was like the scene's dead you know everything's over and um 
we did a skate park event for the skate park that opened here. And it was this, we had pro skateboarders there. We had the new balance team, which is completely insane. I booked five local bands, which is really cool. So I, uh, I actually booked my old band, the gills. They still do play, but just not with me and my brother. And then I had to find like search for who was here. Cause I had no clue what was going on in the scene. So I'm like asking people around, asking skateboarders, and I start meeting and listening to all these younger, it's all like young teenage bands and they're all punk rock and like super like, like legit, like a lot of them are girls and they're badass. And I started being like, oh my God, they're everywhere. There's this Hmm. whole thing that's happened without my old ass knowing about it. (laughs) Um, which was a good check for me too. Cause I was just like, there's a, you, you have to kind of pay attention to that stuff. And and then, anyways, I booked them and the, the event was great and we got them a good sound system because they're playing kind of like crappier house shows and stuff like that around here. And it was like, it sounded great, looked great. There was a great crowd there and such a big turnout for them. It was like all these like grungy, you know, punk kids dancing around and pushing each other. And it just felt like old times. It was like, That's it was cool. beautiful. So yes, is the answer to that. You know, there's the whole, the whole beach thing we play for like, you know, old drunk people and our friends come out and it's fun, but it's, it's not like we're like playing and starting to start a new revolution with, you know, playing like Bill Withers on the beach or something. (laughs) Right. Perfect segue. Skateboarding. So skateboarding has kind of like a rich history with, you know, punk rock and, and, uh, every skateboarder every musician you know at one point in the in that you know kind of scene has has picked up a skateboard or they used to skate and and most skateboarders if you talk to them they've probably plucked around on a guitar but for you were you always a skateboarder or what came first the bass or the board um yeah i mean i grew up like my family was musical my dad played guitar mom piano and they had us singing in church me and my brother singing in church when we were literally like three or four years old they would They'd like buy us, they'd promise to buy us something at the, they called it the minute stop. Is this, We used to play in Alabama at these like super Southern churches. My grandparents on my mom's side also, like my dad was, or uh, my grandfather was in quartets and played throughout the years and, and actually played bass and sang. And I, I, I played because of him because he would like, he bought me this tiny little bass. And, you know, when I was really young, I would sit next to him on stage and he'd have his big red bass. And I would just kind of watch what he was doing and pluck along and they'd have me like super low because I didn't know what I was doing, but he was like, here, I'm, sh- I'm going to show you, you know, how to do this. Wow, and cool memory. I did that, but I, I played for a long time. And luckily I had a, my brother was a great drummer and he was a lot more advanced than me musically. It took me a long time to, to kind of get where I could play a full song. And, um, but when I was in middle school, I started, uh, skateboarding my brother met this crazy kid. My brother got sent to this Christian school because he had such bad grades and was acting out. And my parents figured, uh, we'll, we'll send him here and it'll straighten up. And the first kid he met was this kid named Kenny. That was like the wildest, (laughs) like, insane most insane person i've ever met but he was a skateboarder and he was really good and he's like he basically was like matt you want to skate i've got this old board matt started skating with him and then i eventually got like pieced together from their trash an old skateboard and would try to keep up with them and like could barely push like i remember pushing and my 
my feet you're supposed to be closer together my feet would be like all the way spread <laughs> yeah apart yeah doing this weird like limping. Mondo foot or whatever it is what kind of board um, what kind of board oh, i don't i don't remember what it was it was just it was all hand-me-down it was like mismatch wheels yeah like different trucks old crusty board just because i didn't have anything um and they they were already advanced enough where they could they could ollie up curbs there's this old place called del champs it's like an old grocery store and we would skate you know in the front of that and there was like little curbs we could skate on and stuff and i could not get up that thing i'd have to go down reach you know grab my board <laughs> then set it back up and they'd already be way ahead because they just popped up and went so after like a hundred times of me eating sh doing that i finally learned how to ollie up the curb to keep up with them and then it kind of advanced from there there was a skate park here called deep south that we skated growing up and throughout all that time we in middle school me and my brother were starting to play in our youth group and it was like our youth group at church was like there was the main youth group and then they had the middle schoolers separated because they were younger and we played in the little middle school band and that was kind of the beginning, I guess, because we learned worship songs and, you know, we would play, we'd get a, we'd get a rehearsal once a week and then we'd play the songs and that took forever. But all that experience got me to where I could at least, you know, carry a tune and start, start being interested in other music. And so hummus a few bars, hummus a few bars of of the old yeah. worship oh, andrew yeah. andrew who's not here did say ask him his top five worship songs <laughs> Lord, we lift your name on high. oh yeah <laughs> man so tell me about upward intuition i'm saying okay. that right right yeah okay yeah. so um one of the people that i met when i was probably like i want to say like 13 or 14 years old skating with kenny this kid and my brother uh was a kid named john shell and we skate we were kind of like a crew and we didn't skate all the time together but you know we would try to all like meet at one place or have our parents drop us off somewhere everybody meet and a lot of the times it was like cordova mall is like this little ratty mall that was here and my parents would literally get a van full of kids like go pick up me and my friends and and my brother and whoever whoever was available drop us off there's like middle of the summer at the mall and then we would just go skate all day long in the entire area like the schools and you know doctor's offices and anything that had a spot at it and then they would just pick us up that night because we could go in the mall there was a skate shop in the mall called water boys and we eventually like we hung out in there so much and skated and we would send them our sponsor me tapes that we would make and my brother got into filming and we actually got a part we were we became a part of their local skate team which was cool for a while I, like that was a huge deal at the time yeah. And during that time, I met John Shell and we skated with him a bunch. And, you know, things went on. I kept skating. I was like pretty hardcore about it back in the day. And I wasn't very good at all, but I would just jump off of shit. Like I would just go for the biggest thing without really having the skill to back it up and ate a lot of shit, but just kept going at it. And this, my sponsor me tape was like me jumping off of all this crazy shit. And they're like, all right, you're on the team. And and John was around. John was actually really good back in the day. And everyone kind of progressed together. And then we kind of went our separate ways, but always, you know, would keep in touch. And then I ended up doing the band thing and moving to Nashville and all that. But uh, John, like 10 years ago, started 
you know, posting all this stuff about wanting to build a skate park in Pensacola. And so I was like, you know what, man, I called him up. And this is like, like I said, probably 10 plus years ago when we were living in Nashville and I was in the band, the Gills. And I was like, hey, if there's anything we can do to help, let me know, because he was having these events, fundraisers and all this stuff to have the community help, you know, pay for this skate park. So we would take trips down to Pensacola, which we would do that anyways, um, to see our families and stuff. But we would meet up with him and play these fundraiser events. We did like three of them over the course of a few years. So we'd skate together and then hang out. And then uh, once we, once I finally moved back to town, I just immediately reconnected with him. I was like, what's going on? Cause he, right when I moved to town was this, it took him eight years to build the skate park that's downtown mm. here now, wow. which is incredible. It's $2 million. Um, he had to get, he had to go through the city for it though, which is a super long process. Yeah. And, Cause they have to bid out everything as far as construction goes and then take the top bid. And there's all this process that you have to go through and there's all the politics to it and the pushback. And so finally the opening day came and we were all there and hanging out and me and him just had started talking a lot and like having meetings together and been like, dude, this is open now. We should do an event. Um, and so John and I went to, uh, went to Tampa pro that year, which is, you know, one of the biggest contests there is, it's been going on forever. And, right. um, we took a road trip down there with one other, one other friend of mine. And we skated on our way down. We stopped like Tallahassee and skated some old spots. And um, I was a little rusty, but uh, we had a great time and saw all these pros and linked up with some people down there and got invited to this guy's house named Ryan Clements that owns something called The Border. And he helped, he basically helps manage pro skateboarders and gets them contracts for sponsorships. And we went to his driveway. It's at his house. He has something called the dream driveway and it's literally a perfect concrete uh, skate park. He built in his driveway. Oh, nice. We're like around meeting people and, you know, we we're just trying to gather ideas for our event at a, that we want to have at the, the skate park because the city had already done their opening event and a ribbon cutting. And a lot of people came out, but we were like, we want to do our own thing and have, you know, hopefully pro skateboarders and bands and all this crazy stuff. And so we talked to everybody we could, but we're looking around and there's like every pro you could imagine hanging out at this guy's house. Cause I did, I'd never been to Tampa after my years of watching skate videos and like, you know, being obsessed and watching all the Tampa contests and, and finally being there in person, I was like, these guys have been doing this for 20 plus years. And I'm sure it started with the same type of idea of like, let's have our first event at the skate park. And then eventually it became, and it's funny because it's Florida too. It's like, you'd think something like that would be in Southern California or someone somewhere that's a little more like skate centric. But um, anyways, after that road trip, we just got super inspired and came back and, and talked more and more, um, did our event. The New Balance team came, Andrew Reynolds was here, Jamie Foy, all these like unbelievable skateboarders. We got to meet, meet them, hang out with them. We booked bands. We you know, I ended up reconnecting with all sorts of people in Pensacola I hadn't seen in years because I'm having to reach out and coordinate this whole event, which was like, dude, I, I mean, it was like two or three months of nonstop communicating and trying to figure out something that I had no idea what I was doing. Right. Because I'd never done an event like that before. 
and we didn't have we didn't have any money for it so we had to reach out to local sponsors throughout the entire city to sponsor each event there was a skate contest you know it was like age groups and we were like hey does your construction company want to sponsor this we'll put up a banner and you know you give us we had to create this whole online platform and um, were people pretty willing to help they de they were it was it was amazing actually you know the way that it started mm. working we created this sponsorship deck and we had we had a lady um named Janae Whistleman, which is a friend of mine now help us coordinate it though because we had to reach out we started asking people if they knew anybody that had done this before so we brought her in and luckily we had her to help kind of connect us with and show us the way of like you can reach out to almost any brand and see if they want to be a part of it or if they even do stuff like that. Um, Ooh, I need to talk to her. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of showed us the ropes and we worked together and uh, I had a, a buddy of mine, Nathaniel from Nashville that managed the Sixth Avenue skate park there for years. He uh, I got him to come MC the event because I didn't want to be the dude on the mic like looking like a dork and not really knowing how to coordinate. And and he kind of saved the day with how to run a contest that is like, you know, 50 kids and you have to put them in groups. And he just knew how to, to do everything. So doing all that was, it was so exhausting, but so worth it watching everything kind of play out throughout the day. Um, and we definitely overdid ourselves. Like we got all the, uh, you know, like 30 vendors to come out with like vintage clothing and food. I had a, a break dance competition, which actually was <laughs> one of the funnest things of the day. Because I found out there was all these, you know, badass break dancers and we had a sound system and another guy emceed that. So I don't know. I just got to meet like all these people in my own city that I probably would have never met doing anything otherwise and, and realize it just takes reaching out and asking and, a lot of it was a big ask because, like I said, we didn't have any money, but we ended up we ended up paying for everything through those little sponsorship, you know, money that would come through. It'd be like fifteen hundred bucks, three thousand bucks here, and it was a super ex expensive event. We had to, you know, we also had to pay. We made a lot of our money back on drinks, thankfully, because we got we got a permit. And we had to this whole time we're going back and forth with the city too to get permits and get roadblocks. And I, I just had no idea about any of that stuff and sure. how much went into this type of thing. So, is it um, is it going to be just so? Are you just focusing in Pensacola, or is it like going beyond that? As for now, it's Pensacola okay. and the future vision is is to definitely go beyond that. And I've had a lot of people reach out about that, you know, like we want a skate park in our city. Sure. And, uh, and I, I, I give them every guideline and online platform I can do. But I'm like, I we're working so hard on our next one that yeah. I, I, I don't want to steal from you like or give you some type of like false idea that I'm going to be there to like answer the email all the time. And in the future, yes. So. The point is for the event though, having all that craziness go down, it just kind of showed like what is possible for yeah. the future. So me and John were a lot more locked in and we're like, okay, we did the event and we got, I mean, Thrasher posted it like a big clip about it. And it was just all this like mind blowing hmm. stuff of like, we, our first thing like hit really hard and it was great. Like it rained all day too. And we were out there like with squeegees, like oh, trying to try oh. out the course while Andrew Reynolds frontside flipping the double set, just like, <laughs> this isn't, this is completely insane. Um, but then, you know, John and I talked and we're like, well, we have this skate park. It's amazing. But what if we did smaller pocket parks throughout the city? 
and uh, we had one of our friends that I had met very recently. It was this guy named Russell Stark. His son was 14 years old and was skateboarding and got hit by a car and passed away. And this kid named Avery Stark. Mm -hmm. And we were like, that was a huge blow to Pensacola and especially for the skate community and everybody in general. But we were just thinking like, how do we make it safer for kids that are that age to kind of get around the city? Cause mm -hmm. not all that, they don't have a ride all the time, yeah. you know, to be able to transport themselves downtown. So we were like, well, what if we put pocket parks kind of around the city in these kids areas? So it's a little more safe and, and we wanted to also do something to honor Avery. I had met his family. I became very close with Russell Stark. Um, and these are like some of the best people I know now. And now they are a big part of Upward Intuition. Like every meeting we have, we meet up for coffee and have ideas. Like I've got Russell Stark. I've got a, a, a police officer, which is crazy. This guy named Eric Hubley. <laughs> Was he the one in the video to... that you, you posted? Yeah, yeah. So, huh. I mean, we used to be rivals with the cops. That was our biggest right. enemy back in the day because they we'd always get kicked out of spots. And a lot of them were assholes. And like, yeah, we were punk kids destroying property, I guess. Like, we didn't really do much damage. But to them, it was like, this is illegal. You know, I get yeah. it. There's all the insurance problems and you know, things that liability that companies don't want to deal with. I understand that. But that's all the more reason to provide more skate more areas for kids to skate that's that are legal and yeah. now our vision with upward intuition with john with john is like well why don't we create something that's less like a skate park and more like a legal street spot um kind of because people do that in cities like plazas but we now we're looking at you know the 93 parks that are in pensacola and a lot of them are unused a lot of them are dilapidated and crappy and we the city will spend like you know 700 grand to build a playground and it's like unused and that right it's just in like 15 years just from weather and there's all these things we're seeing money go towards and we're like if we just built like a a sick like simple street spot within this area and the city will allow us to do that um then that's what we'll do and for me i was like you know, but how do we raise our own money? And that's the whole difference is instead of going to the city and asking them, hey, can you please, you know, fund this skate park? It's like, why don't we go out and get our own private money? And if they will give us the land to do it on, we'll raise our own funds. And so that is kind of the basis of Upward Intuition now is like I've joined with John and being like, I'm in a band. I have a lot of people that listen to the band and like kind of pay attention to what I do. Yeah. And it's a small platform. But it's big enough to be like, I, when I go on tour, I'm going to, you know, print out signs at the merch table, which I did. It said, help Andy Prince build skate parks. And it has a QR code that goes to our website. And I'm going to make t-shirts like you have, which I appreciate. Like those little things when people buy that, it goes right back to upward intuition. And we put it in our fund. So this past tour, um, this past summer tour with Jimmy World, I had those signs at our merch table, help Andy Prince build skate parks. And you know, I just figured people would maybe hit the QR code and, and and contribute. And and this lady named Melissa Winkler was in Nashville at our Nashville show and, you know, saw it. And she's a fan. Her and her husband were fans of the band and um, reached out to me on Instagram was just like, hey, what is this? You know, and I was like, well, if you're interested, I could FaceTime you or have me and John sit down and do a Zoom call like this. So that's what we did. And we met her and her husband. And she's like, well, I work with the Frist Foundation in Nashville, Tennessee. And 
you know, it's a charity. We get, we like to giving to stuff that especially has to do with youth. And she's, she's in control of an estate for the Frist family, which are a lot, you know, they have a lot of money and every year they have to allot that to a certain cause. And me and John FaceTimed her and explained what we do. And, and she was like, okay, this sounds really good. Give me your information. I want to see your 501c3. I want to see all this. And luckily John, you know, had all his, all his ducks in a row. And, and then, uh, she actually came down to Pensacola and we met her and hung out and, um, just kind of hit it off. Like we could tell that they were doing what they're doing for the right reason. Yeah. And that me and John are doing what we're doing for the right reason. Mm. And, uh, and then they gave us a g- very generous amount of, they gave us $150,000 to seed our next park. Oh, wow. Unreal. So, and it, and we got it like four months later. It was like, it was like one of those things where, you know, when people say stuff like that, you're like, yeah. okay, like let's see. And because I've, I've had other instances like on the tour I was on where people, you know, people would say pledge money and say, I'm going to give you this and I'm going to give you that. And then it would dissipate or something would fall apart. And it was just kind of a letdown is like, you know, and I had to learn my lesson with that too, of like, you, you really have to get to know the people that you're working with. And, and I don't know if it's people that just want to like meet me and say something and then really not follow through or something really just did follow through, which is totally fine as well. Mm-hmm. But a lot of those communication things, you know, I had to, I had to figure out, but the point is when we got this, you know, first gift is 150 K we were like, Oh my God, we could really take this money and possibly fund the first spot completely privately. Yeah. Because if we can do that, all we need the city to do is allow us to have a city park or an area to build something. Then we can get our own contractors. And we already had the the people that we met in Tampa, this guy, Ryan Clements, he has his own designer. They have something called the platform group. And uh, this guy named Tito Parada, which actually designed the downtown skate park. And we have construction people here. We have concrete people. We have all these connections that have already been solidified from building that skate park. And so if we're like, if we can raise enough private money and we don't have to take eight years to build it through all the things that the city's going to run us through, then we can get this done a lot faster and a lot cheaper because there's also, there's people out there that would give in-kind donations and have already said stuff like that to us. Like, if you want to have landscaping and different elements to make this thing beautiful, like we, we can help you with that or at least discount you. So me and John's wheels are always turning of like, okay, we got the seed money. If someone from out of state in Nashville, Tennessee is willing to do this, then we want to show that to Pensacola and be like, hey, if, if this is coming from another place, you guys can step up and meet that as well and contribute as well if you want to have something like this because- our skate park downtown is like, it's like where every family, which is, it's funny now too. A lot of these people are my age and I don't have kids, but everyone has kids and they all bring them to the skate park and they absolutely love it. It's a safe mm. place. It's beautiful. The kids skate and the parents get to sit on the nice green and hang out. It's like their weekend thing to do. And it's created this like really positive community. And it's, it's kind of obvious, like go there on a Saturday or go there on a weekend, even throughout the week. And you just kind of see the way that people interact with each other. It's a super positive thing. And so we're like, we, we want to perpetuate that and keep that going. Mm -hmm. So, um, so now what we have to do 
is uh, is basically convinced the city that doing it again is worth their time and allowing us to have certain areas. And that's where we're at now. We have concepts that are being that we just paid for that are being given to us at the end of the month for two different parks. And we're going to present them at the end of February on the 24th here and have a community input meeting, which should be very interesting. Man, that's great. That I, yeah. I saw you talk about that. That's really cool to have yeah. them. So we've got a park here in Lexington. We were in middle school when it opened and it's super cool. It's Woodland Skate Park. But as you talk to the skaters and the, the skateboarders that are there, it very much like whoever designed it does not skateboard. Like there's oh, yeah. no flow to it whatsoever. Right. So I thought that was really cool that you guys are having people input on that. So yeah. they're voting I'd... on what which version they want. You guys have concepts of however <laughs> many and they're giving their input. Well, that's going to be the interesting thing because, you know, community input, you're going to get good and bad feedback. And there's also people that are like, I don't want this in my neighborhood. I don't want the noise. Oh, and I don't yeah. want this. People are going to trash it. And, but we have rebuttals for a lot of that stuff. I'm like, these, you know, people are going to do that on a public park, no matter what. And our skate park downtown kids, kids keep it clean. There's even a friend of ours, Brian Wilson, that goes there almost every day at 5:30 in the morning and cleans the entire park wow. and takes all the graffiti off and he just brought it upon himself to do that like this is his wow. mission Jeez. it's it's incredible so having people support us like that and having other people have done it too they've seen what he does and so bef like the night before they'll clean the skate park and he'll show up and make a video about it every time be like look at this spotless place yeah hmm. What just out of curiosity, what does it cost to to build a park? Even one of these like pocket parks that you're, you're that's the first time I've ever heard that that yeah, term, pocket I've never heard park that term before. Yeah, um, I mean it really depends. It's, yeah, you can build, you can do a slab for I don't know fifty thousand dollars or something okay. like that. But then you, then you have to think about uh, if you want to get it engineered the right way, because you're gonna, you have a lot of weather down here. You have your drainage has to be correct. Your sure. material has to be correct. You have to have people that have built a skate park and see how is it, how it's dilapidated over time. Um, you just have to have the right information because like you were saying, someone builds a skate park that has never skated before or doesn't have the knowledge. They build this wild looking thing that makes no sense. Everything's yeah. too steep or everything is like, it's not really that skatable. And we've had, there's, there's one park in Gulf breeze, which is just outside of the Pensacola city here. That's a great example of that. And it's awesome that we had it, but it was like, who built this? Like this, <laughs> this looks like something on from outer space just the way the transitions were and and we just really wish we had a better designer to make it you know more usable so that's one thing that we really think about too like we skate we're actually very biased too because we're going to skate this thing we still skate all the time and are like we know the skateboarders that are around and we know what it takes to have a proper spot and something interesting and cool yeah and to me to me having a spot that you can have a skate park and like you know skateboarders their main thing is they kind of train at skate parks and some of them will put footage out with it. But if you put it into a video or a, a part or a clip, there's really a thing with skateboarders where they're like, yeah, that was sick. That people grind down the rail was sick, but it was at a skate park. There's always the stigma with that. Hmm. Like you do it in the street, you know, on, on some street obstacle and that's completely, that's legit because it's a street spot. So 
we want to build a spot where if you get a trick and get a clip, it looks like a street spot and it would be considered more like you could actually use that in your video part. Oh, wow. It's just legit. That's cool. So that's kind of the difference. Something pretty, something like whatever way it's built. So that's what's turning in our minds now. Um, we're going to have the initial concept designs, which are going to have many features and be kind of like a, a bigger vision idea yeah. to present to the community. And then we're going to, of course, ask for funding and how, ask for people to help us. And then we have to whittle it down and see what's possible from there and how much it's really going to cost for all of these different things. So it's going to take a little bit of time to get that idea solidified. Plus, I'm sure we're going to have revisions, which we've, you know, but the platform group that we're working with, we have FaceTimes like this, you know, at least once a month about everything that's moving forward. So we are all on the same page. And those guys are badass because they they came down here for an event called Grind for Life, which is incredible. You should check that out. And they spent a couple extra days and they just walked the city parks with us. And they were like, you know, we had some spots in mind where we wanted them. And they came with us and looked at it like had feet on the ground. That way, we're not just showing them pictures like they like they have the vision for what we want to do. And they, they're real skateboarders, too. Like, that's the whole thing is we're working with real people that care about this and not just some like corporate company that wants their name slapped on it. Um, so it has to come from that place. And what's still so funny about that is like John especially gets heat from skateboarders all the time and different people just like saying he's like this, you know, wannabe mayor of Pensacola or this because he's always having to meet with like city councilmen and he's right. taking pictures and he's wearing suits sometimes of these people. And I'm you like, gotta play the game. Hey, that is what you have to do <laughs> yeah. if you want someone to take you seriously and get anything done. And the people that complain and talk all that's all they do. They're not contributing. So we've had to like settle our like mentalities down instead instead of being like you like how do we turn that around and be like you know be kind about it but like look if you have something to say then why don't you have offer something up or show up at one of our meetings or do something that helps us rather than mm. you know constantly complaining so you, anyways it's been a fun fun world to navigate i was gonna say you didn't know you were gonna become a mediator of uh, of that <laughs> when you just wanted to build a skate park and yeah. I mean, it's, it's really fine though. Like I, that stuff rolls off my shoulders after, you know, years of like musicians are kind of the same way, like you can have their nose in the air about certain things and it just doesn't, it doesn't matter anymore. We're going to do this thing no matter what. And the people that are cool are going to enjoy it. And they do support us and are like, we have a lot of great support down here as well. So the naysayers are, it's just like anything else. Anytime you're going to do something good or cool, there's going to be those people out there that are maybe jealous because they're not finding something that is fulfilling their life that they can be into. And it's just it's just obvious at this point. It's like it's but, you know, we at the same time, we're like, hey, man, like, why don't you this is for everybody. Like, why don't you come our way and help us out? Like, we're not trying to exclude anybody yeah. or be like local heroes. We just want to build skate parks for kids sure, like, yeah. and for ourselves. That's it's pretty simple. Love the vision. You guys, that's it's awesome. such a cool collaborative uh, thing that you have. And I think that's, that's also somewhat something unique to Manchester as well as you guys really create kind of a, a communal, uh, there's a communal aspect to that band and, and, what you guys do with your audience and the fan base, the five of us, Andrew included, who's not here, went down to stuffing and a lot of us are, are regulars there. I mean, 
coming from afar here, is there what what can we do to help your to help this? I know you've got it in Pensacola there, but there's a lot of people who who may be listening to this and, and asking that question of, I'd like to contribute to this. I get the vision. I love that. How can we help? Yeah, well, I mean, this helps just talking about it and promoting it. Anything online, you know what I mean? And and obviously, there's our website. If anybody out there is interested, there's all sorts of videos and clips of what we do. There's me and John talking about all this stuff, and it's pretty laid out. I mean, there's there's obviously just straight up money contribution that you can send to the website, and that will go. To, right now, we're like I said, we have that seed money, but honestly, we probably need to at least double that to get the skate park we really want built. So we have wow. 150,000. We, we need at least 300. Um, I think to really do something, cause this is like, we want proof of concept from this first pocket park to show the city and for everybody to see like, Oh, this is like a different thing. You're not just making a skate park. You're making that old dilapidated city park, like a beautiful, cool space that the city can be proud of, you know, if they want like a monument or something there, we want to, you know, honor Avery and we want to do different things Mm -hmm. that are like that the city can be proud of. And so it's not just for us. It's like, it's for the city of Pensacola as a whole. So any, I just, I would just say any promotion. And then anytime we have like fundraisers or if we have an event down here, I mean, come down, it's, it's, it's super fun down here. And even if you don't skate, like, we typically have music or some type of other element that is that is attached to what we're doing. Um, and I, that's the thing with me, too, is, you know, obviously I'm a musician and I love to give a platform to younger bands, too. And skaters love music. And a lot of the bands that are around here all skate. It's like it's always gone hand in hand. So having those two worlds collaborate and try to keep it keep it in that same, you know, little uh little circle is is fun for me because mm-hmm. i see them at the skate park and see these kids kind of grow and and some of them like i don't you know those bands can it's like anyone else it's like i never thought i was gonna really go anywhere with music i had dreams but i see those kids and i'm like y'all could go if you really want to do this as a career or do this for real like this is where it starts so if i can help facilitate that at all then then that's a, a huge part of why you know i'm part of upward intuition as well so it's pretty cool I, I, that was what kind of caught my eye was i've never seen anybody in a band engaged in something like this and so really wanted to just pick your brain you bring a skateboard on tour right yeah yeah i skate on tour as much as i can i saw uh you posted a video of you cruising around the stuffing venue one of the mornings yeah yeah. Was that like, uh, were they cool with that? No. <laughs> <laughs> that place is like super new too. Like the Eastern's like a fairly new, like polished in the middle of the place. I skated for as long as I could. And luckily the there's two nights. So the first night before sound check, like where people stand is the smoothest concrete it is. in there. And me and me and a buddy of mine that was filming, he had escaped. Was it Isaac? Isaac, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Isaac, yeah. He's the man. So the first day I just kind of skated around and it, a lot of, honestly I do that at a lot of venues. Like a lot of them are super slick like that and beforehand if it's, especially if it's raining I'll just go like do, you know, kick flips or whatever and and just goof off. But that we got away with it the first day and then the second day when me and him were skating before or was after our sound check and other bands were sound checking and I was skating. And there was, I just saw some dude like kind of post up in the corner, like with his arms crossed watching me. And finally he was just like, he's like, dude, 
don't scuff up my floor. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, sorry, man. Like, cause I, I had already skated for like 45 minutes or something like that. So I was like, all right, we're good. But what, uh, I, you know, I wasn't trying to be a dick either. I'm like, I'm headlining tonight. <laughs> Skateboarding I, is not a not, crime. I did not pull state. that card, dude. I was like, I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> is there a venue that you like to skate more than others? Like like, to skate. Hey, we gotta go we gotta book that one because that one has a has a sick set of stairs or something <laughs> yeah the fox yeah I, I don't know if i skate in there or not i know i can't do that because it's all seated it's all you have carpet too right yeah what's yeah. like your uh chris and i are the ones that skate a little bit and my my son and his kids go to school across the street from a skate park so occasionally before school pickup i'll like bring my board and go pretend that i'm I know what I'm doing and, and, right. and carve a little bit, but like looking at your videos, you're actually a mother of a skater. Like you can actually <laughs> skate. Like what's, what's your signature trick? Well, I mean, thank you. First of all, I've been doing it for such a long time, but I have like five tricks that I've done since I was a kid and I've never learned anything else. I pretty much do the same <laughs> yeah. over and over, which is fun because I used to be so serious about it and like be one of those dudes like, throwing his board down, getting pissed if I wasn't landing something. And like, yes, it's still frustrating, but I never have a fit anymore. I just have, it's just too much fun. And I, I don't take it as seriously as I used to, but I've always tried to maintain a frontside flip. That's my favorite trick. And I still suck at it. But when I can get a good one, like if I can at least land one on flat ground in the day, like the day has been one, especially yeah. a clean one. There I'm you just go. Like, okay. I still got it. Like, and I know as the years go on, I'm 35 now. That's going to get harder and harder. <laughs> but if I, dude, if I can do a clean frontside flip and I'm 40, it's pretty yeah. sick. Like in an, in another life, are you doing this full time? Like, you, would you want to do that? No, no, <laughs> absolutely not. Because because I've like, there's so many other things that I love to do that are physical. Like I love fishing, and I love obviously playing music and. I want to do those things uh, as long as I can. And playing music kind of wrecks your body sometimes too, but nothing like skateboarding. Sure. And in order to be full-time and to be badass, kids now are like, dude, there's like 10-year-old kids, you know, like backside lips, like sliding like an 18-stair handrail. Like you have to be so gnarly and so good. And I, I never was cut out for that anyways. I just mm. never like popped at us. There's a certain age where you realize if you're really going to progress yeah. and I stayed like at the same level. I mean, some of our friends around us like really, really took off. Like there's a guy, there's a guy named Sierra Fellers that lived in Pensacola for a while. And everyone, you know, when he was around, like could immediately tell he's going to be a big deal. And he still is. He has, he has his own thing that he collaborates now called I dabble on a, uh, you can look him up on YouTube or whatever. It's like his own video series and he's still killing it. And he came out of Pensacola. There's, there's some other kids down here too, that are like definitely have potential, but they're much younger than me. I'm just trying to like, like me and John, John's, John's a lot better than I am. And he's, he skates more consistently and has like a trick list that he wants to get done for the year. Like he's, he's legit. Um, I just kind of show up when I can and, and do the same tricks and try to get like a clean <laughs> pop shove it over something. And honestly, that's Hell enough yeah. for me. Like, I, I would love to learn some new stuff, but yeah. when I'm jumping over stuff, like it takes like two days of recovery and I'm like, well, sh I can't go fishing now. So yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm, I, I see Manchester 
anytime I get a chance. Um, and yeah. it, I'll see, like, I know you're all about to go on tour. Or I'm about to see a show or something. And I'll like, see you post a video of you like skating somewhere. And I'm like, please don't break your arm. Like, yeah. They're going to wheel you out there like Dave Grohl. <laughs> yeah. In a, in a yeah. What, exactly. What's the worst injury you've ever sustained skating? Um, I've had a pretty good run of it. Um, and especially like, like, like you were saying, I know, right. I mean, the simplest stuff you get, you get hurt on doing the dumbest stuff. Yeah. Um, and I've luckily learned to kind of roll after falling for so many years and I've never like broke my hands or anything like that. And, been very lucky like you said yeah. knock on wood because you're right mm -hmm. like the slightest thing and i could like definitely have an injury for you know my wrist or something but i don't do anything super crazy anymore i really don't like the i think i jumped down some stairs the other day and broke my board in half and did the splits in eight and that's the hardest i've eaten it in a long time and even mm -hmm. that i was like i've ollied that thing a hundred times like mm -hmm. it's a set it's like a little tiny double set at our skate park and even for me though that's pretty big like impact you know what i mean at 35 is a lot different oh, than yeah. it used to be those ankles don't um, uh don't bend the way that they used to <laughs> yeah yeah but i was fine i got up and i was fine um i think back in the day i did a um i was trying to there's like these old rolling bread baskets you would find at grocery stores outside of them and we would steal them and because you could you could turn them down like this like sideways like down a curb and it made a little like kind of flat handrail and you could angle it down a curb and it's super thin. It's like an inch thick of metal. And one time we, we, we stole one and took it to my friend's, he had a slab, like a tennis court at his house and set it up off of a box. So it's like a slanted rail and, uh, I 50, 50 it and I was trying to five Oh it. And it was so thin. My truck just kind of like fell off the front down real quick. And I, I landed straight on my kneecap on the ground. The first thing mm. to hit was like direct knee. And that was, uh, I just immediately knew something was super wrong. It was like really, really painful in a, a new like nerve way. Mm. Um, this was years ago, but I remember my legs shaking and I was going home and I had to have my legs straightened out. And then like the next day it was completely filled full of fluid Oof. and it was like mushy and gross. And it was, it was, I couldn't skate for probably like six months or something like that because of that injury. And I could only stand with my knees locked. And I remember when I finally started this, the swelling would go down and the, some of the fluid oh, came out God. being able to bend my knee. Right. And that, that was my right leg where I pop an Ollie. So imagine like locking your knee and trying to pop an Ollie on <laughs> the black ground. So it took a long time to finally get the bend back and then slowly kind of relearn how to Ollie. And okay. that was, that was the worst of it. I've, I've actually never really broken a bone other wow. than I think I, I think I cracked the kneecap that, that time, but I didn't, I didn't actually break anything. And you got to do karate on stage. Yeah. Like you can't be yeah, cracking exactly. kneecaps. I was going to say you all played Lexington, maybe 2016. We had like a one day festival here called moon tower and you all headlined yeah. the whole day. Oh, yeah. I think it was the first show I saw you without Freeman. It was. It was definitely the first show. First show without Freeman. I don't. I filmed it. Yeah. Yeah, because John, yeah, really? you were filming it, but yeah. it was the first time I'd, I've seen you a million times, and it was the first time you were, you know, up front, like you weren't behind Rob, and I was like, <laughs> I, I was. We were we were going so hard on that show because it was uh -huh. in our hometown. I was like, Prince is up front. Prince is up front. And it was like, <laughs> hell yeah, dude. yeah. And Johnny dude, that, had yeah. Johnny has like you know, B roll of that show. Yeah. 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 Sure. Yo, no, we talked about because didn't 
Nathan, you were talking about wasn't it the dude from like Oh Brother? Was yes, like it was Tanner. Yeah, like Tanner from Oh Brother was playing keys. Yeah, was, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and it was yeah, Chris. When it was the first time I ever saw Chris. I remember because I think Andy said something about like I'm doing vocals tomorrow is would have been Black Mile, but um, yeah, because yeah, uh, it was just a one off, and you all were trying to make the the trip back, I guess. But um, yep. Yeah, we we were just psyched that you all were here, but yeah, the the like special surprise was that you were you were not tucked away in the back, <laughs> and I had no idea that you were you were you would go so hard up front, which is now we've seen yeah. it a million times. Uh, that's when the karate started. Yeah, um, hell yeah, dude. We used to when I was on you know when I first started in the band, I was behind Rob, and you know he was used to to Jonathan Corley playing the old bass player, and he he didn't move a ton. He kind of stayed stationary. And so he was very comfortable up front. And then I got in the band. I was like so excited. I couldn't help myself. And I've always like moved around a lot. And even other bands I've played. And we would like, I st- I just kept bumping into Rob every show. <laughs> and then we get to the point where every show we'd look at each other. It was like, I'd hit him once and he'd go, that's one. And I'd hit him again and then it's two. And then it'd always be like a strike three. And then you just throw down right on stage there. <laughs> yeah. No, luckily he was always, you know, very sweet about it. But, you know, conveniently... Freeman left and uh, that spot opened up and, you know, it was such a relief and, you know, I got to have my own little area to run around and do whatever I do. But one show very recently after that, right when I had moved, I'd like ran back over to Rob during a song and was, you know, like all excited again. And somehow my cable wrapped around his foot, like lassoed <laughs> oh, <God>. his foot. <laughs> I didn't even see this happen. They told me afterwards and I ran back to my area without seeing it. And that it had pulled his leg to where oh my he fell gosh. because I'd lassoed him. Yes. And I just kept like going to the front and like doing my thing. Yes. And he's like, after the show, he's like, dude, what the f- <laughs> He's like on the ground. Yeah, I guess so. I, like I said, they, they told me I still had never seen it or seen footage of it. You're just oh, in man. the moment dragging him around the stage. You're just going yeah. around. Hey, just real quick. You have a, you you posted a picture or I don't, I can't remember who it was of like Chris Cobra Cole and Billy Marks at a show. Are those guys just fans of the band or did you meet them through the skateboarding thing or or uh how So, that? well, I mean, first of all, I'm like their biggest super fans just yes. cuz I grew up as a kid, you know, watching them on every skate video Same. and Zero has always been my favorite brand or favorite skate team and a number of years ago I there's a, a newer member of the skate team. His name's Adam Arinsky. Yep. And I had found him online and it was just a random, it was a video of him doing a kickflip nose manual. It was so buttery and clean. And I like, I just liked the style and I commented on it and I was like, I was like, dude, that was buttery or whatever. And then he messaged me and was like, Hey dude, like I love your band and all this. And mm-hmm. so we started talking and, and became friends and then ended up, you know, they came through Nashville one time and we all went out together and partied and oh, stuff. That's and, awesome. And he, now he's a, a good friend of mine. He's one of my favorite skateboarders, one of the sweetest guys. And he, he's like, he told me his whole story about, he was this, you know, kid from nowhere, Arizona and ended up meeting Jamie Thomas and like, you know, now he works for zero and rides for zero and fallen as well, which Billy Marks rides for fallen. Chris Cole got back on zero. Um, so he became friends with those guys and he was on a trip with Billy Marks. Um, and I was talking to him, texting him about maybe coming to a show or something like that. And he's like, yeah, dude, I'm hanging out here with Billy. And I was like, Oh my God, like tell him I said, Hey, and all this stuff. And then he said, Hey, and then, then me and Billy became friends, like started talking online and following each other. And then, 
then Billy started coming out to shows and met the whole band. And like, he's the coolest dude ever Sent sent us a bunch of gear. We actually have a shoe collaboration that we're working oh, on. No way. It's totally insane, but that's awesome. He loved Manchester. He really liked the song, the silence and wanted to use it for like a skate part and still might do that. And I'm like the whole time. I'm just like, this is totally insane. Wow. And on another level, this is, this is a separate story, but I, uh, through the pandemic, um, I have a friend named Danny Lacatour that was always, he always worked for, um, dashboard confessional and was on the road with them all the time. And, uh, he had met Chris Cole cause Chris Cole was friends with Chris Caraba, which is the singer of that band. And he had seen him a number of times come out to shows. And, uh, he said that one time he was talking to him and he was like, Chris was like, Hey man, me and my buddy are starting a podcast. If you know any musicians that also skate or in that, in, in that field, let me know. And Danny was like, yeah, my friend Andy, he's in, you know, Manchester and skates. And, and so I got a text from Danny one day. I was like, Hey, uh, Chris Cole has a podcast. Would you want to be on it? And I was like, <laughs> uh, yeah. And two, like a two days later, I just get this text and he's like, Hey, it's Chris. And I, and sent me this long thing about the podcast. And I'm just like, what the f is my life? Like, Cause I, I am a, is that how you felt when Britt reached out to you about our podcast? <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. And then, op and then opened with a, with an email about bidets. <laughs> Yeah. Dude, that's not so anyways, you know, now I'm like, okay, cool. I have Chris Cole's number and I'm texting with him now. And we did, we did a podcast like a month later and it was a disaster. Like for me, because I was so nervous and it was like, and we like the, you know, the connection lost twice and we had to reconnect and it ended up being like two Those hours are brutal. Long. I just felt so awkward. I remember beforehand I was like, I've, I've met other music, famous musicians and different people. Dude, I was like shaking. I was <laughs> something about skateboarders that I grew up watching on skate videos, like totally different shock level for me. Really? Especially Chris, because he was one of my favorite skateboarders growing up. It was like him and Jamie Thomas and that whole crew were like, they, and they are, they're, they're legit like rock star, yes. you know, skateboard gods to me. So um, we do the podcast and I'm just like, you know, frozen the whole time trying to think of things to say. And they hadn't podcast much either, so there wasn't a ton of direction. And I'm just trying to tell them my, like, ch cheesy life story. And, you know, it just kind of felt, like, forced and weird. And thank God it never came out. <laughs> it was that bad. <laughs> I think, yeah. And I don't I don't know if they – I think they have episodes still, but they never really released it. Oh, and okay. released them. And just something they were doing through the pandemic. And it was a really cool idea, but I was just – I was, like, so relieved this never happened. But <laughs> – of course, I got to sit there and talk with those guys. The other guy was the drummer for the Shins, which is insane oh. too. Mm. Um, and he's super, he's super cool. And so I met these two awesome people and got to talk to him. That's what's cool about this. Like, I just get to meet people that are interested in what I'm interested in. I think it's great. If anybody in the world wants to do that, like, why not? Yeah. So, um, so we kind of became friends and I would text him every now and then. And then when I would send him stuff on Instagram, he would respond. And I was like, Oh my God, you have like 2 million followers. How do you even know? How do you even see my message? And then finally one day, uh, actually this, this past tour, wait, let me back up. When I went to Tampa with John, which ties into that story as well. I left this part out. We, Chris Cole was there. And oh, really? I, I, 
I had texted it. I, well, I texted him. I was like, Hey man, me and my buddy, John are in Tampa. Are you going to, are you going to skate the contest? And he's like, yeah, I'm on my way right now. Um, and so we showed up at the park and we, we saw him there and, and hung out for a minute. And then we went out that night to this bar called the bricks where all the skateboarders hang out. And then he came out to that. And then dude, all three, the three of us and our friend Griffin was with us too went out and just partied for like five hours and just hung out. I was like me, John, Chris Cole and Griffin. And I was like, what is he, was, like <laughs> he was just super cool. And it's like totally normal dude. He's like, yeah, let's go to the karaoke bar. Was that the so that same was, night I'm, that you like bombed at that when you got called up on stage and played <laughs> bass and it went yeah. terribly? <laughs> You're like, what is my life? Yeah, that been cool. <laughs> Chris, <Yeah>. check this <laughs> out. <laughs> Thank God, no. I'd done I'd done enough bombing on his podcast, so um, I got to redeem myself. I was like the whole time trying to play it cool, and um, and it ended up being pretty natural and sweet. So, anyways, their whole crew has been supportive of our band. He ended up, you know, coming out to a San Diego show that we played on this past tour. It was him and Billy Marks and Adam, and basically like their whole skate crew came and brought all these no people way. and like. We brought them all backstage, which is normally like a no-no of like if, you know, the band get us off, gets off stage and there's like 10 people that the other guys don't know. It's like, dude, that's not cool. But, you know, knowing who it was, yeah. like Rob's a big fan of skateboarding and all the guys were just like, we know who that is. That's going to be sick. So all the people came out and we hung out all night and it was like one of the greatest. I, I was looking around at the meeting of the two worlds, like my my band that mm. I love and then all these people that I've worshipped. And it was like one of the coolest nights. There's a picture of it maybe on Instagram somewhere, but it's like all of us in yeah. one room. Yeah. That and, was the know, one I love. That was so cool. That's I was awesome. like, Oh man, I yeah. want, I have to know what the connection is there. So I appreciate yeah. you, you sharing. I that. played it cool, but I was freaking out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As so, you should have been right. Yeah. It was super cool, man. How much of like your bandwidth right now is music and is skate stuff? I mean, and, and especially like this initiative that you guys are, are doing, I would imagine that takes up a lot of time. But I mean, just like in your world, like what does that look like for you? Is it pretty even? Is it, you know, seasonal or what? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's kind of tough to juggle. I mean, you know, Manchester's making a new record this year and we it's hard to be away either either on tour or we were at a studio for a couple of weeks just doing demos. And um during that time, like I'll talk to John and try to stay in the loop, but it's really hard when you're not, you know, here in town. Mm. And so it's good and bad because I'm gone for chunks at a time. But when I am home, I'm home. And, yeah. you know, I've had some other things going on this year. My house flooded. I've been renovating that. And Saw it. All these things that have yeah kept me busy. But I'm getting to the end stages of that. And now that I've we've started having meetings again and getting like super fired up about what we're doing now with the skate stuff so i have a chunk of time between now and we're, we'll do some more writing and studio stuff like in may i have some chunks of time to uh to focus on that and you know i've even had to ask of like can we move this date here for the input meeting and that and everyone's just super gracious so mm. um so yeah it's been kind of like it's it's back and forth because i also have to keep my head in the music game and there's um i'm even learning like i'm playing uh a show february 16th in new york with kevin devine and i'm oh, having yeah. to learn two of his records which is bubblegum and bulldozer oh you're which, playing that show yeah yeah oh, it's gonna that's be, sick. 
sick. It's one show we're playing both records, and like, of course, I said yes to it because I yes. love I love those two records first of all, but I love Kevin, and but I'm also like, man, the timing. Like, I'm sitting here. I was at this desk for hours today, just like in my headphones charting stuff, and luckily, I'd played a lot of that stuff when we toured it at the time. Mm-hmm. I played with him, and I would even like. Mm. A lot of the tours we did was like Kevin would open for Manchester. I would play with Kevin as well. Yeah. So I got to learn a lot of those songs and get myself familiarized. And I did a big tour with Kevin last year as well, or two years ago. Um, but it was a different record. So I'm just having to like refamiliarize myself and and cram all this stuff into my tiny brain at the same time. Um, but I don't know, man. I, I think it's I. I'm the type of person where I don't like to have idle idle hands or things get weird, you know. Sure. So I, I like to stay busy and, you know, I don't I, want them demons getting woke, so I keep myself busy. <laughs> I saw you spinning the pick between your fingers. I was like, I bet he's been sitting there playing bass. Yeah, this is like a little area with all my, you know, nerd notes. With- <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, Andy, man, when I uh, when I reached out to you, um, you know, I think it was October or something like that. And we were looking at getting together and then you said you were going through some health stuff. And then shortly after you posted a picture of you in a hospital bed. So man, I'm super thankful that you're healthy. So glad yeah. that that's going well. I could talk to you all night, but I know you asked to bump this up a little bit. So we'll, we'll start to wrap it up here, sure. which is, yeah, which is totally yeah. fine, man. Um, I want to ask you all these questions. I want to ask you about your Hemingway side where you're, you're casting a rod into the pond and, and doing oh, yeah. that, but we're not going to take all your time. Does anybody have any other, uh, any questions or anything? Don't look at me. I don't I, bursting I, with questions. I, I, the greatest fear? <laughs> no, I'm just, I am. It's very cool to sit here. I could listen to you talk all night, but, uh, just been a, been a fan of you at least for 10 years, but of the band for a very long time and yeah just really thank i i mean thanks for responding to brit but thankful for your time and and for um yeah just giving us your friday a little bit so oh uh this is like out of left field right here what's the shark jaw tattoo about can you tell me that just personal oh my god it's 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 literally just a Florida man tattoo. It's like I, <laughs> Florida man. You're born with it. Yeah, I you know when I was in Nashville, I got so homesick. I was there for ten years, and like I was probably there for like four years too long. Okay. And I I went and got a Florida tattoo. It's just shark jaws, and it says Florida in it. And I still <laughs> look at it. And I'm like, I'm like, really, man? That's that's a little too on the nose, but you know. <laughs> A bunch of my tattoos suck, so I don't really care. It's Ours are horseshoes. People get horseshoes. We're from like, Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Andy, you may be one of the easiest people I've ever talked to. Like, it just feels like we've known you forever. I imagine you've done a ton of these. I can't imagine you ever tanking on a podcast with, with Chris <laughs> or anything like that because you're so easy to talk to, man. So thanks for giving us the time. Yep. Um, is there anybody you want to shout out? I know Melissa. Is Melissa the one that gave you the 150K? Yeah, I would okay. definitely shout out Melissa Winkler. Um, okay. I mean, there's so many people involved with like Upward Intuition. Are you going to um, let Melissa heel flip the pyramid when the park actually opens? <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, she's actually coming down to visit us and is going to help us do like some radio promotion. Okay. And, so nice. just her Incredible. and her husband shout out to you guys you know i mean it's just it's kind of just one of those huge life 
things that comes out of nowhere and you know you kind of can't believe it while it's happening and and there's we can't do it without people like that you know what i mean like we have all these great ideas and all these like everyone wants to build a skate park everyone wants to do stuff cool for the community but when you have someone that like really puts money behind it and is willing to come to your town and do all these things. It just, it means a lot to us. And, uh, and we're trying to take every cent of that and do something good with it. And then, and anybody else out there that, you know, if you want to contribute to something and see it happen in real time, um, we're going to start here in Pensacola. We're going to do as much as we can for the city. And yes, of course, in the future, I would hope to help other people out as well. So what's the so website again? It's upwardintuition.org. Up, upwardintuition.org okay right. we'll, we'll yeah. shoot all that out there on our socials too so yeah and we're on instagram upward intuition is on instagram and blake doyle skate park is another place we post a lot of our clips at from the downtown park yeah that's kind of a way to stay in touch with what's happening down here as far as you know what we're doing in pensacola anyways so cool hey we that's always awesome. end every episode with a song uh and if we're interviewing somebody then we always ask him to hey, pick it. What do you What do you want on there? So, any song it can be one of your your Pensacola bands. It can be a Manchester song. It can be a Terrible Creed cover. What um, What would I, you prefer? I would say uh, "Wannabe" by the Spice Girls. Hell yeah! <laughs> Hell yeah! Let's do it. And I guarantee you, anyone hears that, you're gonna finish the whole song. Yeah. yeah you are. Oh yeah. <laughs> hey Andy, thanks so much, man. You've been really generous. Yeah, thank you guys so much, man. It's rad what y'all do. Hope y'all have an awesome Friday night. All right, man. Andy, peace out. See you, bro. If you want to get with me, better make it fast. Now don't go wasting my precious time. Get your act together. We could be just fine. One last time, we want to thank Andy Prince for coming on. You can check out him and uh, Upward Intuition at Upward Intuition. Org. You can also check him out on Instagram and some of the socials. You can follow him at Andy Prince. You can follow his uh, partner, John David Shell, on Instagram as well. You can also follow Upward Intuition. And please check out Manchester Orchestra if you haven't already, because uh, you're going to love it as much as we do. Young American is recorded and produced in Lexington, Kentucky. It is edited by myself, by my twin brother Chris, by Nathan Music. The intro track is original music, and the song that you're listening to right now, picked out by Andy himself, is Wannabe by the Spice Girls. You guys stay tuned, and we will see you very, very soon. If you wanna be my lover, you gotta get with my friends. Make it last forever Friendship never ends If you wanna be my lover You have got to give Taking it too easy But that's the way it is So here's a story from A to Z You wanna get with me You gotta listen carefully We got M in the place Who likes it in your face You got G like MC Who likes it on a easy B Doesn't come for free She's the real lady And as for me You gotta
wanna be my lover.